No one uh, likes waiting in long lines. I don't know, if you go to the grocery store, if you're like me, and you got a cartload of groceries to buy, you hate to get in a line following people who've got full cartloads of groceries. It seems like you've got to wait forever. And I, it, whatever happens to me, I don't know if it's, it seems like it happens most of the time, uh, the cashier will also run out of, of tape in her machine, and then there's something will go wrong with uh, somebody who's signing for groceries with their credit card or something like that. So the waiting becomes inevitably long. I was uh, mindful of a story, I think it's a true story, of uh, a little girl who was in a long line like that at the grocery store. And she had a dollar bill and a can of Coca-Cola. And, and she was just about to put that on the counter and give it to the grocery clerk when a, a, a woman with a very full load of groceries in her big cart pushed the little girl aside and began to unload her full grocery cart onto the, the clerk's uh, counter. And so the process went. The woman had a, a huff about her, as you might imagine, pushing the little girl aside didn't bother her a twit. Well, finally it became a time for the little girl to pay her dollar for her Coca-Cola. And the clerk said, it's okay, honey, for you today, it's free. And the little girl, of course, went away very, very happy that she got a free Coca-Cola. But the person behind uh, all this transaction said, you know, it was very kind of you to let the little girl have that free Coca-Cola, but it, it's unfair to the owner of the store. Uh, they're going to be out a dollar for that Coca-Cola. And the clerk said, no, it doesn't bother that person at all. I, I put it on that pushy lady's bill. She'll never know the difference. <laughs> you know, we'd like to think there's a, a sense of justice about how things that are, are broken can be repaired, how, how the, the things that are wrong will be made right, that God works that way, that somehow all of the brokenness of our lives uh, will be made right and healed by our Lord who cares about us so much. And in the text of the Old Testament, when we're, we're dealing with Isaiah's uh, wonderment about the, the power and love of our God, uh, there's also the sense in which we understand that Israel were, were captives in Babylon. Things had not gone right. God was not just at that particular point. Israel had drifted away and things were not going uh, the way they should. But in the, the words of Isaiah, there is this dream that they will be returning home again. All that which is broken will be made whole again. And so we enter that story uh, thinking on um, the injustices of our world. And we want to think that we serve a just God and that God will act the way we think God will act justly. Uh, there's a sense of justice that we think uh, is within us and we expect God to conform to our sense of justice. And when God doesn't conform, Israel, after all, was defeated. She was carried off into slavery, into a foreign land, and didn't understand how a just God could desert her. But the truth of the matter was, it wasn't that God had deserted Israel. Israel had deserted God. I can't help but think if this isn't the same thing that we face as as human beings, sometimes we think that God is distant and he doesn't uh, justly rule his creation. He doesn't deal the way we think uh, he ought to be dealing with the political schisms that occur in our country and around the world. We meet on, on Monday, we being a group of men, for a prayer group. And we got together and there was uh, the sense, you know, there, there's some political tension in our world. Have you noticed? 
especially in the United States. And we gather together, about eight of us, every Monday in a prayer time, and we start talking about all the divisiveness. And it's kind of interesting, in the group of eight, there's about seven different opinions. A couple of us agree, typically. But there's a sense in which rightness and wrongness is in our mind and heart. And there was a tension in the middle of, of the group as we uh, aligned ourselves with one particular view or another. But as we went on and as we had our discussion, uh, the questions that posed redirected our thinking. Where is it last week that you saw Christ in your life? Uh, where is it last week where maybe you failed uh, to be the kind of person Christ wanted you to be. And as uh, we were discussing that, there was a decided shift in the way we were thinking about where God is at work in our life. We weren't thinking about the political schism and problems that confront us in the news every single morning, it seems. Started to think about where is it God is a part of our life or not a part of our life. And as we were talking, one... Uh, gentleman said, well, I get to work with Passages. Some of you perhaps have heard of Passages. Uh, it's an organization that helps particularly uh, low-income seniors deal with certain kinds of issues that they have to deal with. And he's dealing currently with helping them with their taxes. Anybody have any trouble with their taxes? Well, anyway, he finds it a great uh, joy to be able to help seniors, particularly low-income seniors, deal with their tax issues. And as we were hearing where God calls us to be thinking about where we serve him, uh, the thinking of our group began to shift. We began to think not so much about the divisions that divide us, particularly the political issues that divide us, but where is it that God calls us to focus our attention? Where is it we are serving Christ? Or where is it we're failing to serve Christ? The orientation is not towards the political divisiveness of our time, but upon our own sense of right or wrong in our service to God. Is it that we have been faithful to God, or is it we have been unfaithful in our walk with Him? And so the sense of confession, of saying we're sorry, of trying to be the kind of person that God wants us to be, and the focus that moved us was serving one another. Instead of seeking to be served, rather it is in serving where the light of Christ makes a difference in our world. Now, I was thinking about the coming of Christ and the healing that takes place in the story of, of Jesus and as he's going about healing and preaching and teaching. And how they come to the home of Simon Peter and his mother-in-law is sick. It's kind of strange. You don't hear about the mother-in-law very much. Or some stories of women who are not the very significant figures, and yet they change the way we start to think about the world. And so we're told that Jesus goes immediately to the, the woman who was a servant in that, house, <coughs> excuse me, that household, and we're told that Jesus touched her and healed her. What does she do next? She goes immediately to wait upon those in the household. She is a servant of the one who healed her. As though the healing itself moves us from brokenness and woundedness to serving 
one another. Of course, typically the story goes, the disciples don't quite get it. They're waiting to to entertain Jesus and be taught by Jesus. And here, the mother-in-law, Peter's mother-in-law, we're told, who is sick, is now serving those that are in that household. So you think about how God works in terms of moving us from focusing on certain issues and listening to what God wants us to be to being a servant of the servant who came to us. I was uh, mindful of a story, a true story, uh, from what I understand, of a physician that was dealing with a young woman and, and the surgery that took place severed a nerve in her cheek. And the doctor had to talk to the young husband and say, I'm so sorry, but I had to, to deal with the surgery, to deal with the cancer, and, and in the process severed a nerve that changed the, the shape of her lips. And so the young husband, and the doctor noted this, came in and saw the misshapen lips of his wife and bent over and changed his own lips so that they faced the now changed shape of her lips. And the physician who witnessed this said, this is a moment where God breaks into our world with ultimate kind of healing, where the one who is wounded uh, is received by, by God's love in a changed sort of way. Isn't this the message that Jesus brought to us as he came into this world? And this God is totally other to whom we turn for guidance and supplication and wonderment about the nature of things, got human and came and touched us in the midst of our brokenness. We don't have that focus uh, as often as we might. There's a wonderful story told by Walter Wangren, another Lutheran, you know, by the way. A, a wonderful story called Ragman. Have you ever heard that one? You might not have. It's a story of a ragman in town who every morning came into the city that takes place in a large urban environment. And he's one who crying, crying out, new rags for old. I hope some of you have heard that story. Uh, day by day, he'd go into the, the community and cry out, new rags for old. Obviously, he would exchange uh, the rags he had for the rags others had. And as the story unwinds, we see him coming across a, a glass-strewn tenement parking lot. Now, it's one of those scenes in a large city. He comes upon a woman who's seated on the stairs of a large tenement building, and she's weeping uncontrollably. So the ragman at that point takes a fresh rag and receives from her the, the rag that she had in her hands, now filled with tears. And a very strange thing happens. As the ragman takes the old rag and gives her a new one, he begins to cry uncontrollably himself. As the story goes on, the ragman encounters a group of young men. One of them has an old, dirty bandage across his forehead filled with dried blood. And we see the ragman take that old, dirty rag and give this man a fresh, 
rag. And he puts the dirty rag on his own head and fresh red blood begins to pour out from the rag he now puts on his head. Still a third encounter he has, this time with a, a group of men uh, standing underneath a lamppost at night. Clearly they're discussing uh, what they're going to do with their lives because they can't find a job. And one man particularly, uh, the ragman noted, had a trench coat, but it only had he only had one arm. And so the ragman who's been crying out, new rags for old, new rags for old, takes off his own coat and gives it to, to the one-armed man who puts it on. And then that man found out that he now has two arms and can find a job. But the ragman puts on the coat of the one-armed man and finds out that now he has only one arm. What a strange sight to see this ragman who shouts out, new rags for old, new rags for old, weeping uncontrollably, head bleeding from a fresh wounds in his head with one arm, new rags for old. And the ragman goes out that evening to the city dump. He lies down and dies. But the next morning, he rises again, and he comes back into the city, crying out, new rags for old. New rags for old. We think of the, the healer that Jesus is. Not only does he touch our brokenness, our woundedness, and makes us whole again, he also changes the way we think about healing and hope. And even this Jesus Christ, whom God sent into the world, to touch us in the places that are deformed or broken or hopeless and heals us. Let's pray. Loving God, as we think about the gift of Jesus Christ, the one whom the Magi came to honor and worship, the village life day by day, and how Jesus taught and walked among us, and how ultimately he was broken for our sin, our rebellion. We confess to you, Lord, we're not what we might be. Help us to move away from our desire to control and to feel that we have a right to express opinions about rightness and wrongness without thinking about our own brokenness ourselves. Help us, Lord, to be your instruments. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.